Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is a show where we talk about mobile development for mobiles on a podcast. This show is hosted by Jake McMullen. Wait, what? what what's Jake? going on? What? Where is Jake? I don't know. Sounds like he's ditched us. Oh, wait. Wasn't there something about like a baby or something? Like he's having another kid? Yeah. Oh. Apparently, having a baby is more important than mobile couch. Like somebody needs to get their priorities straightened out. Yeah. Yeah. Priorities. <laughs> anyway. Well, I, I guess we just have to go on without him. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Well, this show is hosted by Ben Trangrove. Hello. And me, myself, and I, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And this is episode number 64. And it's not like, you know, it's not like 64 in the, like the Mario, the, you know, Nintendo Mario 64. 64? Nintendo 64. And Nintendo 64, they ruined Mario games, man. It was like that was what? when they brought out the saying, 3D games. Are you saying oh, man. Mario Super Mario 64 was no good? Oh, I don't. Yeah, no, I, I just can't. I, I'm so glad that they've gone back to like the, well, not, you know, completely, but they've gone back to like the proper like platformy games thing. Oh, man, that's cla- that's real Mario. That's classic Mario right there. What? This world business. What about Galaxy? You didn't like no. Galaxy? No. That was so man. good. Like, 64. Ah. Anyway, okay. this is episode 64, not like Nintendo 64. This is this is going to be awesome. Yeah, we're still 32-bit. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I don't think we have any follow-up. So we just can launch straight into the fact that Jake is missing. Or yeah. just, you know, our topic. We can, yeah. So I thought we could talk about um, analytics, actually. Ah, uh, yes. Because recently I started tracking a little bit more in GIFWrapped because uh, some of the, the analytics software that I use kind of added a few new features and so I decided to make adva- take advantage of them, make use of them. I know where I'm going with that. So I thought we could talk a little bit about uh, about analytics and you know tracking users and stuff like that because i mean obviously there's potential for that to go very very wrong do you use analytics tools in the apps that you make yes definitely i think analytics is probably just making a gross generalization here but analytics is the favorite topic for clients like they love analytics it's it's always about i want to make an app so that i can put in some analytics come up with the app idea that's seriously what it's like whoa that's actually kind of creepy it sounds that sounded more creepy than i meant that, so they don't yeah. i've never done one where they're trying to like data mine people's metadata and work stuff out there it's always just about analytics to try and increase engagement with the app yeah but the, okay. yeah they so definitely i have used analytics and i've used pretty much all of them because every client has a different one that they like to use and some of them have multiple mm. Jeez, mm-hmm. I can kind of understand why, but oh, jeez. So, look, let, let's kind of start with you know the very beginning. Like, why why would you track analytics to begin with, right? For me, I don't really want to. Like, I mean, I don't really want to track people's behaviors and stuff like that. It kind of, it, I mean, it, it kind of creeps me out. But also, like, I just don't want to be. I don't want to be um, responsible for people's information just in general but yeah part of the reason that you would track you know this sort of stuff is because you can actually there is actually kind of some benefit that can come out of it you can get a bit of an understanding as to like what your users are using your app for why uh you know what they're looking at in your app and it kind of can depend on the type of app as to you know 
the information that you want to glean from that. Yeah, definitely. So the thing that is very common with the apps I make is they're trying to work out, I forget the technical term, but it's like fall off. So say you're leading up to an in-app purchase, they're trying to find common points of backing out. So you can right. track the flow. It's more about tracking the flow of events. And you can see like they open up the purchase screen and then they say tap more info, but then they fall off there. They don't click buy. And so you work out maybe our info text is not right. We'll tweak that and see if we can increase increase or decrease, I guess, the fall off rate at this point. And then you use A-B testing to in order to determine. Yeah. I've never actually gone that combination far. of words. I kind of want to. Yeah. I mean, A, B, C, D, E, if you're Facebook. <coughs> but anyway. Yeah, I suppose. Or Twitter. Like, have you seen all the tweets recently of people yeah. like, posting about how the, the, the star changed to a heart? And some people got like really big icons. And then some people got icons that are sort of like that, are, that had circles around them. And yeah, wow. Like, how much A B testing do you really need to do for your icons? That, yeah. But that seems like you could just make a choice. No, you can never just make a choice. You have to test. It's all about testing. We've covered this before. Uh, (laughs) So part of the thing about tracking users is obviously privacy, right? And privacy is a big deal. Apple is very big into it, as you may have heard during a lot of the 2015 sessions and keynote. It was in the keynote. Right, pretty sure. Yeah, this is like a big push. Yeah, especially this year. Basically, we're not Google. Huge. Yeah, and this year it's massive. That that said, like even just aside from that, there are you know legal requirements. So here in Australia, there's a there's a thing called the Privacy Act, Mm -hmm. which basically states what you can and can't track about your users. And essentially, what it comes down to is you should not track things that are reasonably identifiable which kind of means like you know location data or yeah so you can biometrics you just have to be upfront about it and ask permission yeah so you got to present something that details what you're going to track if it's if it's personally identifiable yeah so i i guess what it basically means is you have to be very careful about what you're tracking and i mean i don't I don't want to know like who exactly my users are anyway, but I I think it probably I guess it kind of needs to be clarified because uh, you know there are some nasty people out there that want your mm-hmm. metadata. Basically, when it comes down to like what to track, then um, personally, what I tend to do is you know uh, try to only track things that you know wouldn't necessarily specify who the person is that's actually doing the action. You know, I don't track things like emails although people companies want you to do that like oh can we get them to sign up with an email and they have to put the email in it's like no yeah they're all all for that legal so i try you know i try to stay away from any of that sort of stuff but also kind of stay away from the stuff that could be uh used to identify identify a person so as an example i think even uh even apple kind of put this out there like that you can you can if you look at like somebody's web history for example you know they might be doing like a search thing and you could you could track, you know, that they searched for a a weekend, uh, you know, a weekend away. So they you know, bought plane tickets and a hotel room, and then you know that person also went online and did a search for uh, for you know jewelry stores. And uh, after that, they you know they ended up searching for you know wedding venues and stuff like that. And like you can start hmm. to kind of put together a picture over over time about who that person is. 
so you know, I, I, it's it's hard because a lot, actually, a lot of information is like that, right? That's kind of how we use apps. Yeah, definitely. So, so it comes down to like you know making good choices about what you what you track uh, in your apps. And so, what I've started doing with GIF Wrapped is that I've started tracking some very basic, basic, basic stuff. So I am tracking searches, but I mean, honestly, searches in GIF Wrapped are very odd. Uh, <laughs> and usually one word, um, because people search for things that are, you know, like they, they're searching for reactions as opposed to, uh, you know, things that could identify them. So I get things like happy and, uh, sex. That was, <laughs> that's shown up. Tracking searches is pretty common. Yeah. I, I would say everyone who has a search bar and includes tracking in their app is probably keeping track of all the searches. Right. And in fact, a lot of analytics tools will actually include some method of, you know, tracking that thing, like that thing with an event. I've also been tracking tabs. So because, I mean, obviously because GiveRapt is a tab-based app with now four tabs, they kind of are different parts of the app and they're quite, mm-hmm. like, they're quite different. So one is a, you know, search, you know, online search and one is, you know, photos and one is a library. Knowing, you know, knowing which part of that, of the app is getting used the most is kind of, you know, helpful and it's been an eye opener, I guess. And it's not like, you know, I can't, I I can't really tell who a person is by the whether or not they're using a library or whether or not they're using a search tab. But I can kind of get an understanding of more people apparently seem to be using the search tab than are using the library which was kind of weeded me out a little bit like quite a lot that's what i do yeah Yeah. i just just search barely ever save i'm constantly finding myself researching for gifts i already have that's what the library is for man using the (laughs) app room (laughs) (laughs) and then you know and so then i'm you know tracking some stuff like in-app purchases which to be honest are already tracked i mean i get you know i get a report at the end of the day anyway but I, you know, just tracking some various bits and pieces, just because I can get them kind of uh, a lot faster, somewhat real time, and see the process that people are you know, are using to go into that. So, you know, I'm tracking a few various different little bits of the app, and not really very much, honestly. One of the things that I'm adding in a new update is a is a kind of a timer thing to figure out how long people use a specific tab for. Do people mm-hmm. spend a lot? longer on the search tab than they spend on a library tab if they use both i don't know i don't actually know yet you know so the whole bunch of different data that may or may not have any particular use but i think i can use it to like i'm hoping that i'll be able to use it to kind of you know find weak spots within the app and improve it yeah to be honest you're doing what everyone else does almost every app tracks things these days especially all the major ones it's just the norm, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, I don't it's like I I don't honestly want to track you know people. I don't I don't like tra- well. I do like. I mean, I I like the I like seeing the numbers. Like I like yeah. having the numbers, and I think that's I think that's part of the big appeal, especially to like management. They like they like the numbers because the numbers you know, mean things. They mean and especially high numbers. High numbers are good. Yeah, I think they like numbers because you can track their change like you can see if you're actually what you're doing is changing anything rather than just this airy fairy yeah i think it looks better yeah and i mean that's that's kind of you know that's a good thing like proving the app based on how people are using it can be a good thing but at the same time like i mean that is kind of you know similar to designing by 
I, yeah, I feel no, like I know it kind you of, you know, designing by committee, like, you know, you're designing for the lowest common denominator. And is that, is that good? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know if, you know, if the numbers are actually. And you could be optimizing for the wrong thing. Like, you still yeah. have to choose what to optimize for. Well, that's part of it. Like, you, ha- you have to, like, the data is just, like, it's just data. Like, any sort of, you know, meaning that you attach to it, unless it's very specifically obvious what that meaning is, like, you know, searches, the highest number, like, you know, the top searches, there's very little that you can kind of do with that without having to first try and figure out and try and understand the data, which means that you've got to assign meaning to it. Why are people using the search tab more than they're using the library? Is it because they're using the app wrong? I don't know. Could be, but it also could be just that, you know, the search thing is far more interesting. Maybe you're developing it wrong. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that would be terrible. So, I mean, there's a, there's a number of reasons why you would track it, and there's a number of things that you could track, and there's a number of ways to track, I guess. Yeah. So, why don't we go over a couple? I mean, I've used right. heaps, so. I've only used a handful, and I've done a little bit of research today into another one. But obviously, the first the, the first place, for iOS anyway, the first place that you got to kind of stop is App Analytics, which is new-ish. It came out last year? Yeah, so I, I haven't looked too much into this yet. It's actually released and working now, or do you still need an invite? Because for a while you just you needed an invite to get it. Yeah, no, it's. I'm pretty sure you, anybody can look at it now. Although, is it still got the little beta? No, it doesn't even have the beta tag on it anymore. It used to have like the okay. little ribbon over the corner. App Analytics is part of iTunes Connect. It is built into everything, so it works without having to do anything additional to your app, which is kind of cool. Like you don't have to do anything you can just kind of ship it and you can look at it the other benefit that it's got that no other tool has is the fact that you can kind of see views in the app store and stuff like that which so it kind of combines you know the app store views and app sales and stuff like that and where your traffic is coming from yeah which is the that's the only tool that can do that because that data is all sort of locked down yeah and so you can kind of see like how many people are viewing your app store page but then not purchasing the app or vice versa so you can kind of get an idea of like where your sales and stuff are dropping off but it tracks things like uh users so the the users that you've got each day active users sales you know purchases app store app store sales and stuff like that sessions so when people you know open and close your app the devices so it determines devices based on i guess the udid and crashes because i mean obviously that data can go through to apple but some of that is only is opt-in only which is kind of a big caveat so in order to get things like sessions and devices and even crashes like people have to opt into sharing that information yeah i mean obviously part of the reason is because you know that that can be used to person you know personally identify somebody uh, with you know enough work i guess but at the same time like i mean crashes crashes are a very you know integral part of developing any app and determining where problems are uh and yet you have to like you can only get those through itunes connect if they opt into it which is less than ideal yeah i haven't looked at this one much yet because it was closed for so long yeah i'm not super big on it like it it has some interesting information obviously with the like and, and information that only comes from app analytics but at the same time it it's pretty 
I mean, it's it's pretty basic. Like it's pretty like it, you can't add any of your own custom events or anything like that. So you can't track particular usage of your app. It's very kind of high level stuff, I guess. So it's not ideal. I don't, I don't think it's ideal. It, it's the sort of thing, it, you know, you get it for free, but uh, at the same time, if you really want to get some more information about, you know, how people are using your app, then you'll probably want something kind of additional to this. So the other one that I use, uh, that I'm using, is Answers, which is part of Fabric, previously Crashlytics. Yeah. Still kind of Crashlytics? Not a huge fan of Fabric, personally. I can understand that. Why Why particularly are you not a fan of Fabric? The first thing that I really don't like about it is the super sleazy sales pitch thing you have to go through just to use it. So if you haven't got an account, you have to go to their website and they go, oh, it's currently closed, but you can join this wait list or something and you have to type in your email and then it tells you like you'll hear from someone soon or something. So you can't even just go and use it to start with. But then about two minutes later, you get some automated email going, Hey, Ben, it's Ryan. I saw your email come in and I had to jump you straight to the top of the list. And it's like, oh, my God. This is... Oh. Like, I just... Oh. That, number one, put me off so... Like, that was almost just like, delete. I'm never using this. But So I persisted. And then you need some app to use during development. So let's yep. say your team member checks out the project. Suddenly he can't build it because he doesn't have the fabric login. Oh. Well, so that's not necessarily true. You can now yeah, uh, with I've the change that. recently they've added they've they've made uh, the fabric libraries available for on CocoaPods. Well that's good. That said you still need the app. You just it doesn't control the like the actual integration bit. So And I think you only need the login technically if you want to up it uses the login to upload the dsim for crashlytics right yeah something like that which means you have to add people to the like the team i guess which i, I mean if you're part of <sighs> a team that builds apps and everything anyway it's not ideal for everybody but it certainly works like it certainly does uh, a few things kind of fairly well and recently they so they added recently the ability to capture custom events which is part of what has kind of made me start tracking a few things that are more kind of crucial mm -hmm. because i mean i'm using i'm using crashlytics which is part of fabric now to capture all my crashes and stuff like that um so that i can see what's going on when things go wrong and uh, the i mean it answers just kind of comes as part of that so i mean i, I mean i yeah. still have to have the whole fabric thing going on but you know i've just got crashlytics installed essentially and answers comes with that and what so what you basically get with it is um so for kind of for free if you're using crashlytics uh or really any part of fabric i guess you get the basic kind of stuff which it tracks things like uh sessions and users kind of uh and obviously crashes users is kind of a weird one because it doesn't it doesn't seem to be super accurate like it's based on I guess who is doesn't use you know, their advertising use. identifier, does it? Not that I know of. No, I mean they reject you for go when you go through. Yeah, if you. <laughs> yeah, so they, like the, I'm pretty sure they can detect it. So they will like like they actually do tell. Like they can actually tell, uh, even though they ask you whether or not you use it. And if you do use it, and they if you do use it and say no, even if it's in the library, as far as I'm aware. Oh yeah, definitely you get rejected. That step's probably automated. Probably. You would hope. You would kind of hope. Yeah. So part of that, like, so, you know, I, uh, my understanding is that it just uses, it, it might use like a, um, a, 
an ID that it just pops on into the user defaults or something like that. I haven't actually looked at that. Mm. Uh, it could be using that, but it also could just be trying to determine your user based on you know the current status of the device, and then that cha- that could change every now and then. So a user might reset at some point, which I mean the advertising ID it does anyway. It's not super accurate anyway. Um, I don't think there is no real way of you know making that really really truly accurate uh, without applying more information. So you can um, specify if you specify like an email address or a user ID from like some sort of web service you can kind of nail down more specifically who those users are and if it's if it even if it's just like a user id so like a you know a number which can still be used to somewhat identify people but it does does allow you to kind of you know go the extra distance if if you need to but it will it will track those things just by including the library the CocoaPod or whatever you decide to use, um, but you can't. They've recently added the ability to capture custom stuff, so things like uh, you know searches or signing in, signing up, uh, starting a game level, ending a game level. There's a bunch of different ones. So are these all? They've predefined these custom events, yeah. or do you? Do they just have a custom event endpoint and you type in what it is? Like you give it some string. You can use a custom event uh, of your own. Um, one of the, I'm using one of those for tabs mm-hmm. and you know tracking the time. But there are a bunch of methods that you can use that specify some certain kind of events like purchases, uh, wow. checkout, all the ones that I did there. They're basically methods that let you add specific data to let you see, for example, purchases, right? You can track things like the item ID for what was bought, uh, what the cost of that was, and obviously what currency it was in, you know, a name if that kind of floats your boat, whether or not it succeeded. And then what you get mm. in the back end is like some charts. And they're very, it's very simple, very basic charts, like really basic. They basically handle two types of data uh, with any, like even custom events, any event really, any of these events. For strings, they will basically track uh, what percentage of the time that string is logged. So if you're logging, for instance, an item name, between the four in-app purchases that I have in GIFWrapped, I can see what percentage, what item was sold, you know, out of what percentage of the, you know, all sales of the day. Mm-hmm. It will then, you know, track, obviously, the, the currency, and it shows the currency as a string as well. But if it's a number, like, for instance, the price, which for the purposes of this is uh, converted all to US dollars using the currency thing, I guess. It shows a graph with the median and the 25th and and 75th percentiles. So you kind of get this weird three-line thing that shows you like what kind of the higher point of that was or the lower point, which for a price thing is kind of weird. It does have like (laughs) my daily revenue supposedly at the top. So that kind of gives you an idea of... um, you know, more the average of what that thing was as opposed to, like, what percentage of costs. I don't know. Any any sort of other value that you might want to track with a number. Um, and so it kind of, you know, I, I it, that kind of limits what you can do with it, I think. It does help for things like, for instance, I'm adding the, um, the ability to know how long people were in a specific tab for. Understanding the average time that people are in a tab is kind of useful. And so I've, you know, I'm logging those as not separate events, but kind of separate events, separate points within an event, because you can your custom like a custom custom event wow uh, a custom custom event has has not just a title for that particular event but it has then your own kind of dictionary of data yeah that lets you 
track various different things. So that's pretty common. Pretty much every every analytics library I've used, just for your custom events, you basically give it a string that's used as the ID of the event and then a dictionary. And you can put yep. whatever keys and values you want in there. So the way that I'm doing it is that I have a spe- special custom event called a tabs event. And then when I log that, which I log it in a few different spots to get the correct data, what tab is more used than others? Mm-hmm. In order to, to, to determine that, I every time a tab is you know switched to, I guess, I log the name of that tab as the key name um, or tab name or something like that. And so then I get a graph that shows the how often I log that specific string with that specific key, uh, showing me, you know, that, you know, for, uh, for instance, today's tab's value, the search tab is at 73% of the time is being used. Hmm. Which tab do you default to? Search, right? When you when I open the app. Defaults to the last one that you used, but you can specif- specify which tab you want to open to. That'll be why mine always opens to search. Well, it's probably just because you open it on search and... yeah. The default behavior is that it just opens on whatever the last one you used was. That's clever. Hmm. It's just a user dictionary thing. We'll use a defaults thing. I just every time you change tabs, I save the index of the tab, and then when I reopen the app, I just specify, I launch it from that particular tab. There you go. Then I'm also tracking the time. So what I do is when you open the tab, uh, you start a sent you set a date in the controller and then when you switch tabs or leave the app or do something that would cause that tab to no longer be active i then log an actual event with how long you know how many seconds since the that date was set and so that way i get uh, you know just a length in seconds that's logged and i get uh and i specify that against that particular tab name as the key so that i get average amount of time for a specific tab which is kind of useful. Um, just just to kind of get an idea of like how people are using the app and why are people taking longer to use the library tab or the search tab than any other tab, and kind of understanding that. Yeah, so that's and that's pretty much that's pretty much answers. Like that, it's it's not particularly in depth. Um, the information that you get back is pretty simplified, uh, and even if you really log something that could be identifiable, it doesn't really show up in the dashboard. I mean, you probably could if you did it right, but like I can only see the the top five searches, uh, even though it's logging all of them. So you know, I can't see every all the searches all the time. I'd only see the top ones. Today's top is unicorns, apparently. Oh, yep. So it's not super useful, but at the same time, uh, if you kind of work within the bounds that it has, you could you know, log some interesting things to try and help you uh, determine how to use the app better and stuff like that. But if you want to use something that's a little bit more kind of detailed, uh, then maybe Google Analytics is the thing for you. Yeah, so I have used this one. Quite a while ago, though. So I haven't used it, but I have been looking into it a little bit. And uh, there is a bunch of guides and stuff like that that are online, obviously. I mean, this is Google we're talking about. And uh, you can get the you can get the library that it uses as a CocoaPod as well. I think one of the previous episodes we mentioned that they pretty much uh, just... Yeah, it's exclusively, exclusively CocoaPods yeah. now, right? I don't Crazy. think I think you can still download it as a single library, but it is really kind of designed with CocoaPods in mind. Yeah, I think now they don't tell you what the link is, but if you open yeah. the pod spec, you can just get the link if you really yeah. wanted to. 
so basically, in order to use it, you set up the CocoaPod or install the library, whatever you want to do. Uh, then you have to set up a configuration file, which you have to walk through like this crazy um, wizard thing in order to get. And the wizard shoots you with lasers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, you, you can so you have to walk through a wizard, which basically specifies like what where where the data is going and you know what how you want to look at it in your analytics dashboard and then you can pretty much almost track everything side by side so you can see your web stuff and you see your app stuff and it's kind of all in the same yeah place which is kind of cool and i mean that obviously google analytics has you know that going for it over any of the other ones so you could you know if you've got a web-based tool that also has an app then you can track you know the web tool as well as the the app and stuff like that obviously it's uh it works on android as well and mind you fabric and answers also works on android which means that you can kind of track across platforms if you need to do that it does capture some seems to capture some information by default but not really anything useful yeah like it seems to track like sessions and users to a certain extent but again kind of because it's not really specific like it's not really tracking them based on you know any sort of hard data it's just basing it on you know the most unique things that it has available to it but you can kind of extend that a little bit so you can specify you can kind of customize when the sessions start and end and you can give the, it more data to be able to kind of uh, be a bit more specific about what who like what how unique your users are but then everything else is custom like every, everything is custom the last time i used it it felt much more i guess because it is google analytics it felt much more like web website tracking where it was more focused yeah. around page views and how you get to each page and things like that. Um, so it is it is definitely like that still, in a, at least in the documentation. Um, but again, it's basically all it's really doing is tracking a specific, like a, a an event, which yeah. is, you can kind of then it it. So they have a bunch of kind of predefined events. One of them being, for instance, screen views and things like timers and you know sales, so e commerce stuff and a bunch of this so there's a bunch of them like there's a whole bunch of different categories of stuff but everything is everything is custom so you don't get like you don't seem to get like just even your views by default which i mean that's kind of how it's set up but you have to kind of build that in automatic like in uh, in order to, to get it um and even the sessions information doesn't really seem to give you any sort of real detailed stuff any either yeah no the last time i used it it didn't seem as easy to integrate and detailed yeah. as some of the other options. It was kind of, it was still like web tracking, I think. It wasn't yeah. really focused. It felt it felt like the app stuff was kind of just tacked on. Well, I mean, it kind of is really, isn't it? It's based around Probably, web yeah. tracking analytics tool. And I mean, the SDK wasn't nice to use. Like it wasn't very thought out. Yeah, so it's it's definitely like just the just looking at the dev guides which will be linked in the show notes. It's you know three or four lines, maybe five lines to you know do a specific event whereas with answers like uh, you can do it with like a method call passing like it's only additional lines if you really want to separate out your data. For instance, I zero out my in-app purchase sales for uh, when it's a pre-release build, when it goes out to people on test flight, because I right. if they use those, I don't get any money anyway. So why track the currency for that? So I don't. I kind of clear that out. But you know that that sort of stuff is kind of more custom to how you use the app with 
that, whereas you have to seem you you seem to have to do a lot of boilerplate in order to log events with Google Analytics, which is kind of weird. Yeah, definitely. I felt it was quite verbose. Didn't didn't enjoy it at all. Yeah, but uh, analytics seems to be a little bit more kind of full on. I guess uh, you might use it if you're like if you, for instance, don't use Crashlytics already and don't want to have to go through that sleazy sign up thing yeah but again you kind of have to yeah it's it's it seems somewhat more complex and definitely just in general i mean you have to install a configuration file that you create using a wizard so you know there's that so i mean i've used heaps of analytics engines sdks whatever you want to call them uh and they're all pretty much the same to be honest but there's one that kind of stood out to me because it solved a problem that i've had a couple of times in that a lot of agencies, clients, whatever you want to call them, are scared about shipping user data to a third party, especially if it goes overseas. So I know government clients might not even be allowed to ship user data overseas. Yep. And most of these analytics packages are all hosted for you off in the States or something. Uh, but one analytics package we found doesn't do that. It allows you to store the analytics in your own AWS account. It makes a database in your AWS or any server, I think. We used AWS. And it's also open source. You can see exactly what it's doing. And that one's called Snowplow. Snowplow Analytics. Relatively newcomer. So their iOS and their Android SDKs are still below 1.0s. And when I used the Android one, I did find a bug. But they were really good about fixing it. So that's good. But yeah, it does, does everything we've already talked about. So you can log custom events and does session times and screen views and all of that. To be honest, I yep. think every package does all of that. Uh, but yeah, it's stored in your own account, so good to use. So you, and you basically you look at it from like a web endpoint or something. Yeah, so they they have tools that you have to you have to host yourself, I believe. I haven't actually seen the other half of it, so I'm only on the the app right. side of it. We just get given the identifier and off it gets sent. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you host your own tools because they have the full package for pretty much anything you could ever want any app or instance you could ever want to track there's probably an sdk for it and then right. you have the web end as well so yeah mm. and it was easy to integrate as well like it basically just took an identifier and you you can use it as a singleton and it just runs yeah and i mean that's really how these libraries should just work they should be as lightweight as possible but obviously they aren't we did talk a little bit in a previous episode i think we mentioned really kind of briefly that you might use this is the sort of thing that you might use ns notification center for if you wanted to yeah track track information like this without having to go without having to like tie in yeah without sprinkling analytics bits. libraries all yeah. over your and having to like you know you then find that code if you decide you want to pull one out or need to change it or anything like that one of the ways that you can use ns notification center is to create like a class that holds all the uh the analytics stuff and then use notifications the benefit of that again obviously is that if you are using for whatever reason, multiple uh, analytics tools, you can kind of keep that all in one place and not have to you know, find everything again if you need to make changes to that. So that's exactly what I do normally. I've recently switched to just having, I guess, a Stripey Sock Analytics little SDK, and it's just a singleton. 
So instead of doing notification center, it's just, we just call Strapi Sock track event. And then I edit it based on which analytics package, probably more than one, the particular client wants. But at least then right. it's all in one place. Because the other yeah. thing is they frequently change their mind and want to add a, a different one. So they try it out for a bit and go. Or change it. Or Yeah, it's no good. Let's try this one. So it's it's one place to switch it out, which is so nice. Yeah. And I mean, you're going you're gonna to get that even if you're a, like, you're a you know, single developer on your own. Because, you know, sometimes a new tool will come out and you'll want to, you know, try it out, use it, make see see if it's any better than what you're already using. If you have to go through and find all the different events and add lines of code or change lines of code in order to make it work, or it can be way more difficult. But if you just have to, like, you know, add it to one particular class, and it's a lot easier. And it also means that you're not, like, because, I mean, with especially with Objective-C, you have to import headers and library yeah. and stuff like that. And so you end up with all these kind of imports or statements all over the place. I mean, you still have to do that in Swift, too. you got to import the analytics module. So you right, because import- it's a module, yeah snowplow whatever you whatever one you're using and so then you end up with you know that analytics tool everywhere uh whereas if you're just using class even if it's if it's a singleton or a a notification observer or something like that it doesn't matter like what approach you're using if you if you have it kind of off you know you you mean it means that you don't have any uh, you know weird imports littered everywhere if you need to pull one spot something out it's not you know littered all over the place and you have to find them all before you can build and you try building and then oh i missed that one and move it oh i missed another line of code and spend like 20 minutes trying to remove everything it just keeps up coming up red and then you pull your hair out and you like bang on the table <laughs> i don't know but that's kind of yeah that's the end of the story it's an, it's annoying if you single it out it makes it a lot easier so that's uh that's kind of a really basic kind of thing into analytics i'd be interested in knowing what other people are using because there are a bunch out there, and I don't necessarily think that any one particular tool is the is better. But you know. I find them all the same, to be honest. At least from an app developer's perspective, I'm sure the sales team all have opinions on which one's the best. But as a developer, to me, they feel all the same. So I guess that's really it. So it, it's been it's been weird. It's been a weird episode. It's sad not having Jake. It is. Yeah. So. To kind of clarify for that, I think, maybe because we didn't really clarify for that, uh, he is having a kid and is gone for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so so we had a we had a conversation about the future of the show and you know his future and uh, he just doesn't feel like he's going to have the time. And you know, obviously, we've talked about things like people's priorities. Please know that we were joking at the beginning of the show. <laughs> we are. Uh, we are very family oriented here on the mobile couch. Yeah, we give unlimited, unlimited paternity leave. You can take as much as you want. That's how generous <laughs> yeah. we are. And so he he's not sure that he's going to have the time for the show uh, for the foreseeable future. Obviously, uh, that's you know, family is very important to Jake, and uh, we we will miss him a lot. But he is this is goodbye. We we did hope that he would be here for this episode, but. Unfortunately, that didn't happen either to Jake. If I had a glass of alcohol, but I don't, so I'll just lift up my bottled water and say uh, it's it's been real. Yeah. If you would like to read any of the show notes, any of the things that we uh, mentioned, you we will link to them in the show notes. The show notes are at mobilecouch.co forward slash 64, the good kind of 64, 
Now, if you would like to send us an email, you can do that as well. The email is hello at mobile couch, unless you are from Fabric, in which case it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, if you would like to uh, send us an email with the web, because, I mean, it's not that it's not the web, it's just that we have an email address, but we also have a contact form, and the contact form is at mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. Now, you can also contact us on Twitter, Ben is Ben Trangrove. That's B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. And I am Jelly Bean Soup. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been amazing. As always, it's great to talk to you. We look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Bye.